Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to another episode of the Super Retriever Series Behind the Line Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, David Hamilton, and my guest today is none other than Mike Gibson, the 2023 Super Retriever Series crown champion in the amateur division. Mike and his dog, Blaze, bring home the crown championship. It's Mike's fifth, and we're super excited to talk to him about bringing home the crown championship once again in his performance in Shreveport, Bossier City. But first, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. This episode of the Behind the Line podcast and the Super Retriever Series are brought to you by Yukonuba. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients the dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. To find out more, check out the Yukonuba premium performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. Like I said a moment ago, our guest today is none other than Mr. Mike Gibson. Mike is the 2023 crown champion in the amateur division. Mike and his dog, Blaze, bring home the crown championship, and it's Mike's fifth. So, Mike, first of all, I guess I should say congratulations, sir, to you and your dog. Wonderful performance during that week down in Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana, just a few weeks ago. Thank you, David. I appreciate that, and, uh, you know, appreciate you. Uh, inviting me on to be your guest. I think the last time I had you on was uh, to talk about, you know, your dogs in the past. You'd previously won in 2009 with Shady, with 2015 with Jeter, and 19 and 21 with Trig, and now you're back here with Blaze. And, you know, compared to some of the other dogs in the field, Blaze is a little bit younger. So coming into this crown, did, did you feel like you and Blaze had a really good opportunity to win this year, or were you just trying to get some experience and maybe win down the road? Well, you know, I was trying to get some experience to win down the road, but at the same time, I, I you know, trained every day with Blaze. I knew what his capabilities were, and, um, you know, I knew if we, uh, you know, with a little bit of luck that we, we would have a chance to be in there at the end, and 
uh, Blaze is really a, a really good young dog, and I just didn't expect um, this kind of a success at, at this age. But at the same time, I knew that um, he's, had, he's had some performances where he's proven that, that uh, he, he can really play with the big dogs. Let's talk about his year coming into the crown. So you and Blaze, obviously you've been in this game a while now. I imagine at some point during the year you started to say, hey, you know, Blaze is really coming into his own and we're going to have a, a good shot there. Like you said, may, maybe we win, maybe we just get some experience for years down the road. But how did your your 2023 year go leading up to the crown? Well, it started off with our first couple of uh, entries of, of not going so well, um, you know, it really takes an experienced dog for the most part to do well in the SRS because the things that the judges throw at you, it's, it's not just marks and it's not just blinds. Uh, they, they uh, are very, very creative at creating a lot of distractions um, to take away from those basic principles that we're trying to achieve. But, uh, and that's why it generally takes a little more of a seasoned dog to, to be able to handle all that. And then the, uh, you know, at Habitat Flats in uh, North Missouri in midsummer, I mean, Blaze was just fantastic. You know, not only did we win, but we had the best overall score, including the pros. And, you know, there was some, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in the game was up there to compete with. So, you know, at that point, it started proving that uh, Blaze is starting to figure it out and that Blaze is, um, you know, I could start relying on him to um, give us that opportunity to do well in every event. And, and he pretty much did well. I ran him, I think, in a couple events after that. And we had a we had a, a third place finish and just missed winning by eight points. You know, which was it was a really tight one. And uh, earlier in the year, right off the bat, the very first event I run him in. I mean, we we was down in Georgia, and um, you know he ran fantastic until the the last couple of birds of the last series. I mean, we were right there with a chance to win it. Uh, and just didn't get it done in the last series. So I knew he was capable. It's just a matter of a young dog. You expect some a few little hiccups here and there. But uh, the the farther that the summer went on, and you know, I don't know whether it's just you know him getting a little more experience, a little more exposure to the game, he just started getting better and better and better. So once you knew he was qualified for the crown, does that change your training any? Because I, I guess my question is: is are the conditions or the terrain different in the Shreveport area than? back home for you in the Kansas and Missouri area? You know, not, not really in, in this situation. Now, when we were in Huntsville, the, 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 you know, the terrain was a lot different, but uh, Shreveport is um, fairly flat terrain, just like, you know, much of what we have around here. So it wasn't much different, but it, it certainly does. The focus does shift once you're qualified to, um, uh, you know, for me anyway, uh, I use a lot of time in the summertime, which is a lot of time the off season. I, I generally try to really, really analyze and and self critique what what my dog's weak, biggest weaknesses are, and I try to really point my finger at that and and really try to to work hard at getting better at that part of the game. And then um, you know, as you, you you try to time everything just right to to ramp things up in time to get ready for the big event like the Crown and you know, anytime you really isolate some things and really work on getting better at that other thing, other parts of the game suffer. And um, so you really have to time things right and really start ramping them back up at the right time and really start trying to have their attitude, you know, mental part of the game in the right frame of mind at the right time too, because, you know, you can't just go in there with a lot of pressure and, 
and things like that. You know, you the, the the mental psyche of the dog is is just as important, if not more important, than the uh, the physical skills that they have. So you know, just try to try to try to time all that and ramp that up at just the right time. Let's talk now about the crown itself. So you get there; it's a huge field this year. Series one is an AKC style hunt test. Uh, you and Blaze post a 74, which if I'm looking at some of the scores, not the best score, but not the worst score either. So how are you feeling with that first test and just talk us through your performance? Well, I was, I was uh, disappointed in our run in that first one, but uh, at the end of the day, we were about in the middle of the pack after the first series. And, you know, we weren't, um, we weren't way, way, way back, you know, but, uh, but I was frankly disappointed with, with how we handled that, uh, with how we handled that setup, and uh, was certainly hoping to make up some ground as we moved on to the next series. So, um, you know, the next series being a white coat setup is is generally is, is his strength, and so I was hoping that we could, um, you know, make up some ground and start climbing up some spots. As you start eyeballing things, you want to be in that top eighteen, and and really you want to be closer to that top twelve so that you can. You know, keep keep moving, climbing the ladder. But uh, in the amateur field, much like the pro field, every single year, I think it just gets tougher and tougher and tougher. The 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 dogs are are better. There's more of them. The handlers are better, and there's more of them. So, you know, climbing the ladder is not always an easy thing to do. It's not not ideal to be starting out in fifteenth, eighteenth place after the first series. I'd much rather be in the top five. You said you were disappointed with y'all's performance. Was it more in your handling or more in Blaze's performance in picking up the birds? Uh, I, I think it's uh, in, in in Blaze in both. You know, to be honest with you, um, I, I, on the blind we really racked up quite a few points on that blind, and um, that that blind I felt like he didn't give me some of the cast that I that I asked him to give me. And uh, that that really caused us to to start off in a hole with having to come out of. He hit one of the marks really really well. Uh, the other mark he just missed by a few feet, but he didn't he didn't check up and dive in that in that those cattails to get to get his bird, and caused me to have to handle again. But uh, you know for the most part it was um, I just didn't get uh, he didn't carry some of the cast like um, like I know he can normally run blinds with. You mentioned that uh, Series 2 was a field trial, and that's that's one of Blaze's strengths. So talk us through that test and your performance in Series 2 as well. Well, once again, uh, I, I was disappointed with how uh, we came out. We kind of came out. We we did move up a few places in that series, but it wasn't necessarily because we uh, really knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, and, and as as most people would tell you, you know, we just missed – we just missed by – uh, you know, a little bit of really having a great run, but uh, I had to intervene again on on the marks on a couple of the marks, and it uh, it really hurt our score. But uh, he he lined up well. He saw all the birds well. He really indicated to me that he knew where things were at. But uh, at the end of the day, he just didn't quite finish. He got he got ninety percent of the way there in great shape, and then caved into a few of the factors. And and uh, uh, once again, we did we didn't. We didn't have a poor performance there, but we sure didn't have the kind of performance that I I thought we could have. 74 in the first series, 73 in the second for a two-series subtotal of 147. You make the cut, like you said. You're not too far back, but you're not where you were wanting to be. 
over in the open division, the, the pros, we had one of those situations where the dog that, that led from the beginning kind of led all the way through, right? And so you've got Carter Turner and Cappy who just started slaying it from the beginning. And then at that point, they've got a bullseye on their back and they're trying to, you know, just keep everybody behind them. And we've seen that both in the amateurs and in the and in the open where some years that the crown champion is the one that comes out, you know, kills series one and doesn't make any mistakes all the way through one through five. Other times you have a dog like what happened this year with you and Blaze where you just kind of hang around and then right when it's time to make a move, you make your move. After two series, were you even thinking at that point, like, I got a chance to even maybe win this or am I just grateful that I've made the cut and, hey, let's see what we can do here? Well, my thoughts were at the time just trying to uh, improve to get into the top 12 to make it to that next series. Um, Obviously, you can't. You know, you can't win it if you can't stay alive and keep playing. And, um, you know, my, my my real goal at that point in time was to obviously do as well as we could possibly do, but also hoping that we would move into the top 12, but not only move in the top 12, but move a whole lot closer to the top six so that we have a little less ground to make up to, to get into the finals. So, um, you know, we were, um, you know, we were just very fortunate that the further that the things went along, um, you know, the better he seemed to get. And again, even as we got to the third round, in my opinion, you know, it was, uh, there were some good things in there, but there was also, uh, um, it, it was a mediocre round, you know, for, for us. It was not something that I, uh, I know he's capable of doing better, but, but somehow, some way we, we kept climbing the ladder. In your career, you've been in both scenarios, though. You've been the guy that's that's being chased, or in this case, you're the guy that's chasing a leader. Which do you prefer? Oh, I would much rather have that bullseye on my back. You have a little more. You have a little more room for error. You get to watch everybody else run. You kind of know what uh, you need to do, you know. And sometimes that has a, you know, I, I'm not one that really. Uh, sits there and counts my score while I'm at the line. You know, I, I'm every single series. I am trying to uh, complete the setup in the most efficient manner that we can possibly do it and let the judging be the judging. Um, but when you have, you know, when you're sitting there in first or second place and everybody else is behind you, you get to watch them all run. And, um, you know, you kind of know what you need to do up there. Uh, but when you're sitting back there a little bit further, you know, you really, really, really got to come in there and put pressure on yourself to just have a great run. And that puts pressure on other people to say, Oh, you know, here, here they come, you know, we, we better, you know, we better, we better be on top of our a game. So, but I would much rather be at the front of the pack than in the middle of the pack and trying to claw my way up. This year, though, that's exactly what you did, right? You were you were in the middle of the pack trying to, like you said, make the cut from the 18 to the 12. We head to Series 3. It's a land and water hunt savvy test. For our listeners who maybe didn't see it live or haven't you know, gone back and watched the live stream, can you just explain that test and what you were thinking as you're watching the test dog of, okay, what are the judges looking for, looking for here? What are they going to score me against? And what do I need to do with Blaze to make sure I come out of here with a good score? Well, the ju- the judges did a great job of explaining things. It was a busy test with a couple of poison birds and some really tight corridors. Uh, I-, I doubt that many people have run a blind where they had to run underneath a pavilion, you know, to get there. But we certainly all have run lots of blinds where we have corridors and we have goose decoys out there that we need to run between and, and things like that. I, I know that, you know, 
every one of us and competing at that level have run, uh, you know, a, a thousand poison bird blinds and some of them being right out there in the open where you have to run right past them. But, you know, it's like when it's on game day, the dogs are amped up a whole lot more than they are in training. And, um, you know, the poison bird ate, ate a few people up and, and uh, gave many, many others uh, their hearts to, to skip some beats. So, um, you know, I, again, I was, I was disappointed with the first blind, the land blind, um, and, and how many whistles it took us to, to get through that corridor and get under that pavilion and get that bird. Uh, I was relatively pleased with the water blind. He, he, he stayed in the water good. Uh, gave me a little scare at the end as he as he turned towards the uh, poison bird and wasn't too far from it. But fortunately, we we got a good cast off of that and got back there and got the blind in in good shape. So um, you know that that really probably saved us. We had a, a a very mediocre land blind and I felt like we had a really pretty good water blind. Uh, but again, a, a busy test where you know you're having to remote send your dog you. You know, you're having to walk away from your dog. You're having to get those initial casts. That's not just a blind. You know, it's you, you weren't standing beside your dog to send him on that land blind. You were having to be in a remote position and, and give them basically an overcast to get things going. And uh, once again, our judges did a great job. It's not just a blind. There's many other factors in there that affect how you run that blind. And, and um, you know... It, Sometimes it's tough to prepare for all those things. I, I try my darndest to be as fundamentally sound as we can and hope that's good enough to handle all the all the, the traps and the tricks that's going to come your way. We're talking with Mike Gibson, the 2023 Super Retriever Series crown champion. So far, we've heard Mike talk to us about the uh, first three series. And as he said, he wasn't disappointed, but he wasn't super pleased in their performance. So if you didn't watch, you're probably wondering, well, how did they win? Well, they put up an amazing fourth series, and we're going to get to that in just one second, although we do want to take another quick second to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. If you want to get everything your dog's got, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. So, Mike, back here with you now. You've talked us through the first three series. You're, you've made the cut again. We're heading to the fourth series. The fourth series is kind of a – hybrid field trial, hunt test. Just looking at the scores here of the, you know, the six dogs that made the finals in the fourth series, 62, 99, 65, 79. And then you and Blaze drop a 27 in that fourth series. So that's really the point where y'all came alive and people have to say, oh, wait, Mike's back. Mike may win a championship here. Mike's moved into position. Tell us about that fourth series. Well, it, it, again, um, Hit, hit the first two marks really good. Uh, didn't, didn't rack up many points on the first two marks. And, of course, the big money bird in that thing was that 309-yard retired gun out there. And um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that Blaze cheated the water back there. When you're down at the dog's eye level, I don't think the dog knows that there's that second piece of water back there. And, um, you know, um, I, I let him roll and he hunted around the gun station over there and, and worked his way over there to the bird. And, you know, uh, on, on a field trial set up with a long retired gun, that's a very acceptable uh, way to do things. And, uh, you know, at that point, again, I knew that we, we had a good run there and I knew that it was going to vault us up and give us a good chance to get into the finals. There were still several dogs to run that could have done the same thing and, and put us out. But I knew at that point in time 
that uh, we were going to at least have an opportunity to be there and and take a shot at it. Coming out of the fourth series, you're in fifth, but there's not a lot of gap between you and first place. So Stuart Williams and Tex heading into that final have 230 points or faults, as we call them here in the Super Retriever Series. Smokey and John Lamar, 248. Cash and Jason Flaceter, 258. Waylon and Ernie D'Antoni, 259. And then you and Blaze come in with a 276. So 46 points between you and first place. And they put up a heck of a test, which is what you want. You want enough meat on the test heading into Series 5 or any one of the six can win. If people haven't seen it, it was a crazy test. There was a, a poison bird. There was some decoys you had to go put back. There was a little mutt hut um, dog blind that your dog had to get in. There was a boat with two Bubba Gunners. A lot of things that could distract the dog. So when you're watching that test dog, actually we had two there in the finals, did you say, okay, there's enough here where if Blaze and I have a good day, we can win this thing? Absolutely. I mean, I absolutely felt that way. Um, you know, again, there was only, you know, 40-some point gap between first place and fifth place at that point in time. And, um, you know, I, there, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity to knock it out of the park, and there's a lot of opportunity to really get in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, uh, you know, the only thing I can control is what Blaze and I do. And, you know, what we had to do was go out there and, and, and do put up a really, really good run. And then whatever happens, happens. You know, wish no ill will on any of my fellow competitors. They're all great guys. They all train their tails off and they're all very capable of winning that thing. And, you know, you probably could have run that thing on six different weeks and you may have gotten six different winners. But uh, fortunately for us, um, God smiled on us and it was our week. But, you know, Blaze, um, once again, I was disappointed in the, the blind that we ran. We we didn't blow a whistle till he almost got to those goose decoys. I mean, he took a perfect line all the way out there and I kind of take a safety whistle just to make sure, you know, he stayed away from that poison bird, but yet went through the goose decoys. And then, uh, you know, he popped up back there on that back dike back there and uh, it just became, came so close to really nailing that blind back there, but he would, he would start toward the, where the blind was and he would, he would peel back again. So it took me a few extra whistles to get him where I needed to get him to. But, but then when we came to the marks and I really felt like, um, I, I really felt like most people was probably going to have difficult time with that blind. And the difference was going to be if we could just really nail all those marks, we were going to be in a good position. And, and uh, you know, that's exactly what he did. He, he nailed all the marks. You know, we probably racked up very, very few points. And we may have gotten, Craig, we may have gotten less than 10 points on all four of those marks combined, you know. And, and um, I had a little bit of trouble lining him up for the left-hand bird. He kept wanting to barely peek to the right at that, at that big white, poison bird laying out there and so you know i i switched sides on him i got him i got on a different side to him to sort of block him off from that and and got him thinking about taking the correct line to that bird and when i when i did and he locked on right where i wanted him to run to i knew that as soon as he got over that hump he could see that bird and we'd be fine and that's exactly what happened so uh a very busy test so, so much fun to run those kind of tests like that you know to 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 you know, get up there and hold it all together. Remember all the things that you have to do. And at the same time, you know, convey a composure to your dog that says, Hey, we, we got this. Just, just stay with me here. We got this. And, you know, a funny story, David, I told Shannon this, uh, 
I'm standing in the holding blind, um, you know, which is the on deck circle before my turn. And, you know, I'm always kind of petting, petting blaze and, and talking a little bit to him. And, and um, I looked down at him, but just right before they t- called me to the line and I said, listen, buddy, um, we, we really, really, really need a good run here. You need to stay with me and pay attention because we really need to knock this out of the park. And I, I swear to you, he looked up at me and winked with one eye. And inside, I just chuckled, you know, and said, buddy, you know, you have no idea what we're in for here, you know. And he licked his chops. Blaze is one of these dogs when, when he's looking where he's supposed to be looking and he knows he's got it. He'll, 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 he'll lick his chops, you know, and after I chuckled and told him, buddy, you have no idea what we're in for. He licked his chops as if to say, I got this, let's go. Such a great story. So it sounds like he knew right there, like, Hey man, today's my day. Where, at what point in the test did you know it was his day? And you're like, okay, maybe the wink and the licking his chops. He wasn't getting ahead of himself there. He really was, you know, excited to play. No. Yeah, well, you know, to me inside, I, I was kind of, like I said, I was kind of chuckling because it was his youth, you know, almost speaking out like, hey, I got this. And I'm saying to myself, buddy, I've been here a lot of times and you have no idea what we're in for, you know. But, uh, you know, I I felt like, um, I really felt like when he got that right-hand mark, when he got the right-hand mark out there in, in good shape, that um, he, he was going to, he he was going to complete things and 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 do really well there. But and, and right off the bat, we got off to a great start. You know, you have to get the dog in the 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 the, the doggy blind, and um, you know he was just steady as a rock in there. He never even so much as stuck one paw out there. Uh, I, I believe he saw every bird, and that's such a key in this thing. You know, I, I tell people all the time that's that's not really played this game. They want they they really have no idea how much communication is going on between handler and dog at that line. Because, you know, if, if you, if you can't have the dogs in the right position with the right communication at the right time to see every mark that's thrown, it really makes you have an uphill battle to try to, to try to do well. So, you know, you really, really, really have to have a lot of communication and making sure that dog's in the right position to see every mark. Cause if they can see every mark, you know, you, you've got a chance to to really go out there and put down a good score. I'm glad you talked about communication and seeing the marks because I wanted to circle back to something you said a minute ago. On that left-hand bird, you said you changed sides on Blaze. Is that something that you've done on a regular basis in the past, or was that something that you don't normally do with Blaze, and, and were you worried of how he would respond to that, or do you knew, did you know, no. okay, if I switch sides, he knows I'm trying to pull him over this way as opposed to him maybe going that way? Well, you know, Blaze is a two-sided healing dog. You know, and what that means is, you know, I, I, every, every mark we run, I'm either running him off the left side or right side. In other words, if the bird is thrown from left to right, he's on my right side. If the bird is thrown from right to left, he's on my left side. And what that becomes is just another, uh, another cue, another form of communication that when the dog's memory gets fuzzy on something that maybe I can help him out by having him healed on my left. At least he knows it's thrown to the left. So if he gets out there and finds the gun station, you know, it should, it should serve as a, a cue to him that that bird's on the left side of that gun station and not the right side. And, you know, that left-hand bird was thrown from left to right. It was thrown, you know, off the land and out into the water to the right. So I started off with him on my right side as, again, a, a, the way we train, it's, it's a, a cue that that bird is thrown left to right. 
Um, but when he kept wanting to peek a little bit too far to the right, right before I sent him, I, I chose to step over him and, and, and that made him be on my left side, which, um, by doing that, it, I was able to change his thinking a little bit from going over that little hill and, and heading to the right to get that other bird. I sort of, I, I think I sort of communicated to him with that that we're not we're not going to the right whatsoever here we're we're staying we're staying to the left and when i did that he really locked on exactly where i wanted him to go and so you know fortunately when i touched him off he took a perfect line and went straight over that rise and when he did you know there's the bird visible as heck and he went straight to it another part of that test i wanted to talk to you about was over on that right side where they disappear for about 12 to 15 seconds and so you're standing there at the line and just because of the way that it the land dips as it heads into that water, there's, you know, probably 10, 12, 15 seconds where your dog's swimming and you don't, you don't see them until they come out, you know, on the other side. What's going through your mind in that moment where you have no idea if your dog's still on the right line or not? Well, I think what you're referring to there, David, is on the blind, Correct. you yep. know, is on the blind because when they go over that uh, first dike and in between those two goose decoys, even if they're on a perfect line, they do disappear for several seconds. And those are very anxious moments because when you're at the line, you know, five seconds, six seconds, 10 seconds, seems like it's 30 minutes when you don't know where they're going to pop up. They could be hugging the shoreline and, and, and be way around the pond to the left. They could be way around to the right. You just don't know where they're going to pop up at. So those are very anxious moments. And, you know, you have the whistle in your mouth and, and you have your, you, the air already filled in your lungs and ready to at the right moment. As soon as you can see that dog, if you need to help them be somewhere different, you're ready to make that correction as soon as possible. And so, you know, that's exactly what Blaze did. He went out of sight. Um, he did not take a perfect line. Otherwise, he would have stayed in the water a lot longer. I think he stayed in the water around the right edge uh, for a little ways. And then that was extremely heavy vegetation out there on the right-hand side. So once they fight their way through that, you know, they could literally show up anywhere. And when they show up, if they're heading out of there to the right, you better be very quick with the whistle because that is not the direction you want to be heading. If they come out of that very heavy cover and was heading to the left, then, you know, you, you, can, you, you can breathe a sigh of relief and let them roll a little bit. But you had better be there on your whistle with the air already filled in your lungs and ready to make that quick decision because it's going to happen in an instant. And, and sometimes that's the difference of, you know, doing well and not doing well. After you ran the test, you don't know, you know, in the other series, they tell the scores as the people can finish as they complete the course in the finals. They don't tell anybody's scores to the end. And then they tell everybody, you know, they count it down sixth, fifth, fourth, third, how did you feel you were, like, what place do you think you in? Did you think you would won or were you still sitting there going, okay, we may be first, we may be second. What's going through your mind? Well, at, at the time I finished, you know, with being in fifth place uh, and, and the dog in front of me didn't get to complete the test who had, you know, had to get a rerun. Um, so really I was really the first score that was going to be out there. Uh, but like I said earlier, I felt like by us picking up all four marks with virtually no issues whatsoever, that um, we certainly were going to have a chance to move up. Um, uh, you know, the dogs behind us to run were all so capable of just knocking that thing out of the park. You know, I've watched Jason, I've watched John Lamar, you know, I've watched Stuart, um, you know, I've watched those guys run Ernie. 
you know, all of their dogs are very capable. They're very capable handlers of going out there and knocking it out of the park. But, you know, we had a long walk back to where our truck was at. And so I did not get to see the next dog run. I've only had to rely on what people told me went on. And, and people was telling me that you, you've moved up. Um, you know, uh, then, then I did get to see the, the top three dogs run. And when they started handling on marks, you know, uh, most people had had most people had trouble with the blind. Uh, didn't, it was a very difficult blind. But when they started handling on marks, um, you know, I knew that we had opportunities to move up because, you know, when you start handling on a mark, you're looking at probably a minimum of, you know, 25 to 27 points. That's if they just blow the whistle one time. And with only 40 some points being between me and first place, uh, I, I knew that we had a chance. And then, you know, it, it just kept happening and it kept happening and it kept happening. And the more it kept happening, I thought, well, darn, we, 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 we actually have a chance here. But uh, um, and then, you know, when it came down to it there at the end, I, uh, I you know, I, I, I'm still pinching myself to say I can't I can't believe that we did this again. What's it mean to you to win your fifth crown with your third different dog? Actually, fourth different dog. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's actually my fourth different dog. And, you know, Shannon pointed out something that, you know, I've been the only one to win with. Uh, uh, um, I've won with a black dog, a chocolate dog and a yellow dog now. Um, but. You know, I don't know, David, it's still, uh, it, honestly, I, I still just pinch myself. I can't believe that, you know, because I'm not the only person out here that works hard at this. Uh, all those guys I know work their tails off at it. And they have they have great animals, and, 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 and some of them are very fortunate to live close to some top-notch pros to, you know, to be there and train with and help out. So it's, um, I, I just couldn't be more proud of, of, of my dogs and, and a blaze that only being four years old and, you know, just because he's won this year doesn't mean we'll ever get a chance to win it again. Um, you know, I said that the very first crown I, w- I ever run was shady and in 2009 that, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever, I don't know if we'll ever get here again, but, uh, but boy, I'm going to do everything in my power to be as prepared as I can possibly be and, and give us that chance, you know, and, and that's the way I train. I mean, we, we, we came home, I gave Blaze a couple of days off and we were, uh, we were already back working on, you know, next year. And, um, uh, like I said, we had two or three series there where I, I wasn't particularly happy with, uh, especially the blinds and, and, and normally he runs blinds really, really well. Um, but, uh, I, you know, the preparation has already begun for next year. You know, he's a young dog. Um, he's got, a lot of improving to do still yet. And um, we're going to do everything in our power to continue to improve on that. One thing I've wanted to ask you about was the morning of the finals. You told me an interesting fact. And, and I went back and looked and I was like, you're absolutely right. That uh, since they split off and had separate divisions in the amateur and a pro division in 2018, you and Ron Anderson are the only people to win and you've alternated years. So Ron wins in 2018, you win in 2019 with Trig. Ron wins in 2020, you win in 2021 with Trig. Ron wins in 2022, and then you and Blaze win in 2023. Since you've won, have you talked to Ron, and what did he say to you? And have you also told him, hey, man, tag your it, 2024, you got to keep this going, bud? Well, you know, I didn't realize that until Ron had told me that. Um, 
before um, it was actually before the semifinals. Um, it was, no, it was actually, you know, at the conclusion of the semifinals in series four there. And he said, uh, Mike, you do know this is your year. And I said, Ron, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, I, I, you, know, you and I win every other year. And since I won last year, it's your turn. And I said, boy, Ron, I, I, I sure hope you're right, but we got some work to do, you know, and, and then when, when it was all over with and done, Ron, you know, Ron had already went home, but he was uh, sending congratulatory messages on the phone. And, and uh, I told him, I said, Ron, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to come back next year. And, uh, and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, cause I have no chance. It's your turn. You know? <laughs> he, he said, ha ha. He goes, I bet that's not going to happen. So, uh, but no, that's, uh, you know, Ron's a, Ron's a great competitor. He's a great great trainer he's a good friend and uh, has good dogs and as well as you know a lot of these guys out here and you know they're it's although you know in all honesty David you get in that position and you get there toward the end and you know I I know the the um, the hard work I know the sacrifices by not only the handlers but their families make to give them the time to go out and do what it takes to have dogs at that level uh, and then to come so close and and not get it done. I mean, I, even though I'm I'm thrilled for what we've accomplished, uh, I, I truly mean this. There's a part of me that is just it, it hurts for those other guys to not win because I I consider all, every one of those guys that was in those finals, you know, good friends. And um, you know, for them to be so close but to not get it, I just hope that every one of those guys get their opportunity one day. I just I just hope it's when I'm not in the finals. I understand that, man. You, you you feel for them, but you're also the ultimate competitor yourself. Congrats again. One final question for you. Where are we going to see Blaze this year? How many how many SRS events are we going to see y'all compete in? We know you'll be back at the Crown as a Crown Champion, but between now and the Crown Championship, where are we going to see you and Blaze, and what's your schedule look like for the year ahead? Well, it's hard to tell right now because, uh, you know, we're still setting events for next year, but – you know, we will try to run a lot of them within reason. And, um, you know, it's something we like to do. It's something that we look forward to doing. So I'll try to run as many as I possibly can. Um, uh, you know, when you go to some of these venues, you make a lot of good friends in those towns. And, and you know, so, you know, I, I love to go to as many of them as, as I can possibly go to um, within reason. But as, you know, a guy that still has to work, I have a limited number of vacation days in a year's time. So you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, what you go to and, you know, save some vacation time for family and, and as well as these things. So I don't run as many of them as I'd like to, uh, one day when I can retire, I'll, I'll run the heck out of them, but, uh, but we'll be as many of them as we can possibly get to. Well, congratulations again to Mike Gibson and Blaze. Mike, Best of luck to you next year. But again, congrats on winning the Crown Championship. Mike and Blaze, your 2023 Super Retriever Series Crown Champions in the Amateur Division. And this is Mike's fifth championship. We'll see if he can get a sixth one next year. Mike, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, thanks for having me.